0: The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Uh, Welcome. If you're visiting with us, we're just so glad that you're here. Uh, We're just so happy to see some... I'm so happy to see some faces that we haven't seen in so long and... Just so glad that you're here. And if, uh, if you're joining us online, uh, we love that you're with us this morning. Um, and I know some of you can't be here because um, you're unwell or things are really tough for you, and, and we miss you being here. So uh, it's lovely that you're with us online. Um, so we've been going through this uh, series for the year that we've just started in being faithful. Um, And there's a lot of things that we've already heard. And um, today, my heart is to speak less and allow God's word to speak more. Um, So uh, I have uh, typed up all the scriptures that we're going to read on these Papers here, so don't freak out. It's not like I've got like eight pages of sermons to get through. Most of it is scripture. But I do encourage you this morning, we will have the references on the slides, but really I want, I would love for you to just read the Scriptures, whether it's through in your Bible or on your phone, just follow in and read because God's Word is living and active and it's more powerful than anything I could ever say. And the best part is that you can go back and read it. You don't have to remember what I said. You know, it's about what God's saying. And, and really, um, I'm so encouraged and I'm so humbled because the songs the the encouragements that have come uh, through the Holy Spirit, I believe, this morning are just all things that, you know, God's been speaking to me about to share with you this morning. And so, yeah, it's just wonderful when that happens. And so, um, yeah, Father God, we just ask that you would help us to be listening to you this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place and we We really want to yield to your word, Lord. Uh, And we want to be willing to do what it is that you're asking us to do. So give us ears to hear uh, what Holy Spirit is saying. And Lord, like what you've already said, not just to listen, but to follow. Uh, That is our desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the word faithful, uh, like we've heard... Already it is a a Greek word that is used here, go the Greeks, Um, and it's said, uh, it's actually said pistis, I think, Um, and um, the interesting thing is it's translated as faith or faithfulness, and if you don't believe me, you can go check up the Strong's Commentary or concordance, and the word number is 4102, if you need to know, just so that I'm not just picking this up from the air. And the the translation that I'm going to actually use to read the scriptures this morning is from the New Living Translation, so the NLT. Um, And so your one that you might use might be different, but if, um, if you've got the NLT, then that's what we're going to read the Scriptures from. So we're going to start with Hebrews 11, and we're going to read the whole chapter. Don't freak out. just It's God's Word. And we're going to read the whole chapter. And I would love for you, because we know that the word used here in this chapter particularly, it's the same word, the faith is faithful. So I would like, as we're reading... For you to read it with the lens of using every time the word faith comes up, say in your mind, faithful. And it just, let's see what Holy Spirit will bring to light to us. Hebrews 11. Faith shows f- the reality of what we hope for, it is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Just blow your mind there. It was by faith that Abel brought, brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith, of faithfulness. It was by faith that that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faithfulness, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking towards a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise, and so a whole nation came from this one man who was good as dead, who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore there was no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised. But they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. The question can be asked, well, what did God promise them? We'll come to that. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on the earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country that they came from, they could have just gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was, already, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones when they With them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given him given them an unusual child. (laughs) How many parents have thought that? And they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He, chose, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Think about that. How do you keep your eyes on the person that you can't see? It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouth of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons, some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing sheep, wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Here are the two key verses we're going to look at just for a little bit. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith or their faithfulness, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Interesting, when you look through these 40 verses, there's people who were faithful and they had good outcomes. They're the obvious ones, like Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, David, Samuel. Then there was other people that were faithful, but they had bad outcomes, like Abel. His faithful offering got him killed. Samson, faithfulness in his at the end of his life, he killed. He died. Then there's a whole bunch of nameless people. Jephthah. Um, he had to sacrifice his f- daughter uh, because he made a promise. And anyway, nameless masses. But there's also some clear examples when we read about that, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Ab- Abednego, Stephen, apostles, and who were uh, tortured and killed and martyred like James and Peter, John and Paul. So they're the easy parts. But then we also see that there's faithfulness with absolutely no outcomes. And sometimes I think this is the season that we're living in. You know, we're praying, we're being faithful, we're living godly lives, but we're not seeing the promises being fulfilled. We're not seeing the outcomes that are our, our heart's desires. But also, there's, it's interesting because when we look back, there's a whole bunch of things that are being fulfilled, God's promises, including Jesus. Jesus' coming, his death, his resurrection, they're all the promises that have been fulfilled, that we've been able to see and we, we can experience. But they're still not the ultimate promise, the fulfillment of the ultimate promise. Even though these heroes of faith have been inducted into the Faith Hall of Fame, they're still waiting for the ultimate promise to be fulfilled. That is the, the creation of the new heaven and the new earth and us all being together with our heavenly Father. And that really encouraged me, because normally when we look at Hebrews chapter 11, we're we're talking about all these amazing things and we just need to have faith and pray and stand firm. But it's exciting for me that even though these heroes of faith are in the presence of Jesus right now, they are not enjoying the whole of what they're meant to be enjoying in heaven. They're waiting for us. That's why they are the cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on because they're waiting for us to finish the race so that the party can start. The party is not going to start without us. And this is one party where you cannot be fashionably late because like we heard last week, when the bridegroom comes, if we're not ready, the people that are ready will go in and the doors will be shut So I believe that the season that we're living in is really where God's mercy is being poured out. And he's still handing out invitations to the party and waiting for people to RSVP. Let's, let's kind of read another parable, another wedding parable. It is wedding season um, in, in our church at the moment. So we'll read another wedding parable. Not such a nice ending with this one, but either way. So again, if you can turn to your bi- in your Bibles and your devices to Matthew 22, verse 1 to 14. Jesus also told them another parable, uh, other parables. And he said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them the feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them. Basically, they were ghosting him and they went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town and he said to his servants the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see so the servants brought in everyone they could find good and bad alike and the banquet hall was filled with guests but when the king came in to meet the guests he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding Friend, he asked, "How is it that you are here without wedding clothes?" But the man had no reply. When the king said to him, then the king said to his aides, "Bind his hands and feet, and throw them in. Throw him into the outer darkness, for where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but if, but few are chosen." And so, I just want to say that as we read this parable, God is. Represented by the king in this story, and he's looking for those who are going to attend the wedding feast of his son. And he's provided the wedding clothes that we need. And we've heard that talked about in many ways this morning. But we are also warned of the consequences of those who do not wear the clothes provided by the king. So, the two questions really, the things that we're going to focus on today is um, how has God, the King, been faithful in providing clothes for the wedding banquet? And how can I, so not you, I'm not pointing the finger, but each of us should be asking the question, how can I be faithful as an invited guest to the wedding banquet? So a little bit of explanation as we look at the first question. How has God been faithful in providing clothes for the wedding banquet? In this time and age when people, you know, aren't you glad you don't have to provide wedding clothes for all the people you've invited for your wedding? That would just add so much cost. But in, this, in the custom of this day and age, um, they provided, I guess, wedding garments for the wedding guests because these were simple, nondescript robes that everybody wore. In this way, there was no separation of rank, of where you came from, how rich you were. Everybody was equal as guests. They were there as guests of the person that invited them. And so we can can see here, and they were able to mingle as equals. The wedding garment identifies the righteous, those who lived according to God's ways. And I want to talk about this a little bit. See... God has a dress code for us to go to his banquet. So not only do we need to RSVP, but we need to dress the way he would like us to dress for his event. And the dress, the wedding garments that God has provided for us is in his son, Jesus. And we heard that so beautifully over communion today. He sent his only son, Jesus, to be the ransom payment for our wickedness and sin. The death, of resurrection, death and resurrection of Jesus provides a way for us to be reconciled with God. And you know what? The only way we can get into this wedding banquet is if we put on Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's just how it is. And... Um, we need to embrace that idea. We need to embrace that thought Um, because Jesus lived a perfect life. He was the only one, like we heard this morning, who was worthy to break open the seal because no one else was worthy. And so we have to embrace Jesus because he did, he lived a perfect life and, and he died and he rose again. He was willing to live a life of obedience and he did that for us. So when we embrace One of the ways that we can have faith is when we embrace God and his ways, right? That means that we can trust him. Sometimes we focus on embracing what he's doing. Maybe we can't embrace what he's doing when we're not, because we just haven't embraced him. How can you trust someone if you haven't? If you don't really know them. And that's the point here. Um, And the crazy thing is God put himself out there first. He's like, okay, I'm not just asking you to blindly trust me. Here is why you can trust me. Because I'm putting myself out there. I've sent my son. I have taken the first step in showing you how much I love you. And if you don't believe me, let's go back to God's word. Romans 4, chapter 16. I mean, no, Romans chapter 4, verse 16. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, just like the wedding clothes. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. Because we're all sinners. If we have faith like Abraham's, we can receive it. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. And then Romans 5, verse 1 to 11, explains it a little bit more. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith. Christ has brought us into his, this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. And if you're not convinced yet, one more. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We cannot... I'll say this again a bit, but we cannot wear whatever we like to go to God's wedding banquet. He has gone to all this trouble to provide us with the wedding clothes we need in Jesus Christ. And so we would be spitting in his face if we didn't wear that, if we didn't put on Jesus. And I just want to say, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, I pray that this morning Holy Spirit has already been speaking to you and that these words from the Bible that we read will just help you understand even more that sin is a cruel master that only provides temporary pleasure, but it brings shame and condemnation and eternal separation from God. Accepting God's gift of reconciliation through Jesus will bring you back into a space where you were always meant to be. In relationship with God and ultimately peace and hope for your soul. For those of us who have decided to follow Christ, we can say that we have accepted this invitation that God sent. And perhaps we've even RSVP'd and said we're coming. Um, But who, you know, and we probably understand that we need to put on Jesus. and, And we're doing our best to live in Jesus and to live a life that's led by the Holy Spirit. But who knows, if you've ever been to a wedding or any event really, that time between getting ready right, and getting to the wedding, that's critical. You don't want to be encountering, encountering windy conditions because you've spent a lot of money doing your hair. You don't want to be going, having to walk through mud puddles because, you know, that will dirty your shoes. You certainly don't want to go visit a curry shop because you'll come out smelling like curry and that will not be good going to a wedding. So we're looking in that journey between home to the wedding banquet for even continuum of conditions, favorable conditions, that we can just make it through looking nice and looking like we've stepped out of a salon. In the same way, right, we're traveling through this earth, we're foreigners, like we read in faith, we're in the Chapter of Hebrews. We're we're foreigners, we're travelers on this earth. And we're passing through here on our way to the wedding banquet. And God has given us his Holy Spirit to help us stay faithful, which is what we're looking in that second second question. How can I be faithful as an invited guest to the wedding banquet? God's given us his Holy Spirit so that we can stay faithful and really Cherish and value the garment that he's given us. Stay faithful to Jesus, really. Life on earth is messy, it's unpredictable, it's volatile. It's like encountering the wind, the rain, the mud puddles, the bird poop. You know, you can't avoid it. Sometimes you just can't avoid it. And so we can come to the conclusion that, well, you know what? This wedding outfit doesn't really fit me. It's, it's dirtied now. I'm just going to take it off. I'm not going to go to the wedding because I just can't be bothered. I don't have another thing. Or we might feel like we need a different outfit. I don't really like this outfit because it's too restrictive. It's too constrictive. It's not comfortable. I can't do what I want when I'm wearing this outfit. And so we could be tempted to find another outfit. But we read in that parable what happens when we don't wear the wedding clothes that God has provided for us. And can I say, whatever outfit we find will never be good enough. The Bible's very clear in saying that. Jesus is the only one that could Cover us with his righteousness, with his garment, and present us as acceptable guests at God's banquet. So let's read some more scriptures then. Romans chapter 7, verses 4 to 6. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. (laughs) This is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we are controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law. For we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. And then we go to Romans 8 and verses 5 to 14. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. And it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. I told you. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives, life, gives you life because you have been made right with God. This is the idea of even though we might die, we live forever because of God's gift um, because you've been made right with God the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living with you, within you therefore dear brothers and sisters you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do for if you live by its dictates you will die but if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Can you see, can you hear that we can't do this on our own? We can't. You might be the most creative, wonderful person, but you can't sew your own wedding clothes to get into heaven. You have to do what God wants you to do. You you have to live his way. You have to embrace him. And I feel there's another bit of scripture that I want to read, um, but um, the it is paraphrased in the message. The message, it's a great paraphrase of scripture, uh, and it illustrates what it means for us to live faithfully as we wait for this wedding banquet to start. And so uh, it's Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 17, but I'm going to read as it's paraphrased in the message. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along your eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too, the real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death, sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and you didn't know any better. But you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. Remember what I told you about the meaning of the wedding garments? God has provided these wedding garments so that there won't be a distinction and a difference no matter what walk of life you come from. If you are in Christ, then you are part of his, God's family. There is no difference. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God has picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. I couldn't have said it any better. You know the thing that really sticks out to me, as I, stuck out to me as I was preparing this? It seems to me that we need faith in order to be faithful. Because it says, the Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And the only way that we can have faith is through Jesus and accepting him. And we can see as we look in Scripture, especially through Hebrews 11, that being faithful is not a guarantee for us to receive the things that we want in this life. Even if God has promised it, because we have so many examples where they didn't. What I noticed in Hebrews chapter 11 is that every one of them were faithful to God. Their faith was in God. It wasn't in what God had promised. It wasn't in the outcome, but it was in God. And we, are, we really struggle with that. I struggle with that because we're so caught up with the outcome. We're caught up with what we want. So as I conclude, I would love for us just to close our eyes and just to think about uh, some questions. Well, if you need to look at the questions, open your eyes just to look at the questions. (laughs) But really, like I said, we want to yield our lives and ourselves to the Holy Spirit, to God's Word. Based on what I've just read uh, from Colossians, if this is how we are called to live as followers of Christ and followers of Jesus, do we really take it seriously, number one? What are we doing? Are we serious? And if we do take it seriously, how does our life show it in our words, in our thoughts, in our values, in our attitudes, in our behavior. This week, I was confronted with two contrasting examples. The first one, you know, I, I watched every bit of Queen Elizabeth II's funeral and, and the thing that struck me with all the commentaries, with all the interviews, with all the things that people said, is that. This woman was remarkable, and what made her remarkable was her humility, her kindness, her genuine interest of others, and most of all, what kept coming through, especially in the service, was that she was a faithful follower of Jesus, and her life and character reflected it. People who weren't Christians were talking about the qualities that I've just mentioned. She wasn't perfect, but she it was clear that she had put on Jesus Christ and she was doing her best to keep that on until the day of her death. The contrasting example that I watched, I only watched it this week, but it was probably already played some, some other time, is in The Amazing Race, if you're watching And there's so many contestants and they're all from various walks of life competing for a prize. Most of them just seem to have fun. They're enjoying the process. They're enjoying the challenges. They're doing it, giving their best. And most of them are showing kindness to the people that they're competing against, sometimes helping them. And just even if they got eliminated, they just took it in their stride. They bowed out graciously. Interestingly, the one couple or guy and girl that have openly confessed on national television that they are Christians, and whenever they show them, they say they're church friends, they stand out for all the wrong reasons. In the two episodes that I've watched, and I only watched it because they were in Greece. So they're the two episodes I've watched. But I noticed they have caused beef with all the other contestants. They don't get along with people. No, true. They've displayed selfish behavior. They've cheated. They've lied. They've gossiped. And they've used other people to get ahead in the race. And I bet you if they got eliminated, they would just be chucking a big stink. And yet, they've openly confessed, we're Christians, we don't know why people hate us. (laughs) So do we take it seriously? And does our life reflect that we are wearing Jesus? Are we bringing honor to his name or are we just, are we just, you know, just adding to that horrible truth, Christians, they're all the same. It made me sad, mad and sad. So the third question, as we wait for Holy Spirit to search our hearts, And convict us of specific things. What are the things that we need to do differently? What are the things that we can change with the help of God to wear Jesus well? Because we can't do it in our own strength, but he has given us Holy Spirit so we can stay in step with Holy Spirit. And I'm going to read just one final verse or three verses, but I'm going to read it in the NLT first. And then I'm going to read it in, again, paraphrased as in the message. So if you can just close your eyes and just allow Holy Spirit to speak to you. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that God will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in the evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And in other words, if we were to paraphrase it, this is what the message says. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and he develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. This is Paul speaking. Though Living then as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is. And by what he does, not by what we are and what we do for him. Father God, I pray that you would help us to be faithful. Lord, we thank you that you have reached out and made the first step in providing Jesus Christ for us so that we can even have faith in you. And we thank you that you have given us all that we need in Jesus. We also thank you that you've given us Holy Spirit to help us to be faithful to you. So this morning we open our hearts, we, we open our minds, we open our lives. To receive the presence and the person of Holy Spirit. To be taught by him. To be led by him. As you instruct Holy Spirit that he would instruct us. Help us, Lord. We need you. If you are yet to become a follower of Jesus Christ, I, I plead with you. Will you seriously consider what Jesus has done? Will you seriously consider the invitation God is placing in front of you to be an honored, invited guest to his wedding feast? And don't be like those who ignored him or who said no. Because the time that you decide you might want to go to the event, it might be too late. Father, we pray that you would continue to be at work in our hearts through Holy Spirit. Help us to live, to bring glory to your name. We are here for you, Lord. We're not here for ourselves. In Jesus' name, we ask all of this. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.